Hello, it's Rebecca, and you're listening to a special bonus episode of No Limits. And this is a first for us at No Limits. It's a conversation in front of a live audience, a wonderful, engaged audience, at the Overarching Success Power Lunch. Joining the discussion, Good Morning America co-anchor Robin Roberts, a familiar voice here on No Limits. Definitely check out her episode of No Limits if you haven't already. Number one New York Times bestselling author Gabby Bernstein, Dress for Success CEO Joy Gordon, PMM Agency CEO Kimberly Blackwell, and creator and owner of EMS Consulting, Eula Smith. Without further ado, here's our conversation. I want to call up to the stage Eula, Kimberly, Gabrielle, and Robin. And as you all come up here, I'm just going to explain to people um, a little bit about what's going to happen here. So this is a first for us at No Limits. Never before have we done a live podcast in front of a live audience. So I'm really thrilled to have all of you here and to be able to do this with all of you. ABC Radio will be recording this whole event. So just know that you're on, you're, you're being recorded by ABC Radio. <laughs> As we get situated, what what I want to do is introduce you to these phenomenal women, all rock stars, all total bosses, completely owning it every day in their lives. And we're going to get personal. We're going to get specific. We're going to talk about those true overarching tips for success and really how to get there. So I'm going to begin with the phenomenal woman to my right. Uh-huh. <laughs> A lot of phenomenal women to your right. A lot of phenomenal women. Robin Roberts, co-anchor of Good Morning America, an absolute powerhouse, Robin. Thank you. A friend to so many people in this room. Mm -hmm. You look out for people. That's part of who you are. It's part of what's ingrained in your DNA. And you have not only looked out for people, but you've looked out for this program, helped it to become number one. Five Emmys? Yes. Five Emmys? Led it to five Emmys? Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you, Dr. The 2017 People's Choice Award for Favorite Daytime TV Hosting Team. Mm -hmm. She has earned herself and been honored with the, one of the highest honors in journalism, the Walter Cronkite Award for Excellence in Journalism. She's been inducted into the Broadcasting and Cable Hall of Fame, as well as the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Named Glamour's Women of the Year, she was voted the most trusted woman, the most trusted person, excuse me, person <laughs> on television. <laughs> Not just woman, anyone, out of everyone. Um, but I would say out of the women, you know. Thank you. Like, the women are the most trusted, and then you're the most trusted in that bunch. Nice save, nice save. And she's a total boss. She's got Rock and Robin Productions. So she's she is owning it from all these different angles. She's an author. She has an amazing podcast herself. Everybody's got That's something. something. Many books. She's an author as well. So she is a total rock star. And I'm going to introduce everyone, but because we're doing this as a podcast and I want our, our listeners to be able to know who's talking, I want to just start, Robin, with you and ask you the same question that I'm going to ask everyone after I make the introduction. And that is, how did you get started and what's one thing you did early on that you think helped get you to here today to be in this room? What I did early on to get to this room was to be the baby daughter of Lawrence and Lucy Marion Roberts. Yeah. My mother and father were very present in my life and equally shared in my upbringing. My father was a Tuskegee Airman. We traveled the entire world. My mother was the CEO of the Roberts family. She was the first in her family to go to college, went to Howard University, where she met my father, went on to be a very acclaimed woman of, of education. Uh, she was on the State Board of Education in Mississippi for many years. My mother was the type of person that she would become a part of a board, and then all of a sudden she was the chairperson of that board. <laughs> so I really give them a lot of credit in um, letting me know that there was nothing that was out of bounds, mm -hmm. off limits, that there was nothing that any of their children, and I, was, I benefited from being the baby. I learned, I, I, I watched my older brother and my two older sisters. Um, I learned from their success and from their failures. And I was so grateful that they loved me and that they allowed me to, to be who I am. I am a proud black gay woman. I live my truth. I am somebody who has, been, has benefited from um, this, this room is crowded 
with uh, ministers, with teachers, with people who really helped get me to the point where I am. And I am a firm believer in that you, um, to, that I'm in a position to, I'm in a position to help those that helped me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, and I want to do that. So I'm just really grateful to be a part of this. I know we're on a podcast, so you can't, but you should see these. Uh, I know you can't, you will hear to see the power that we have up here. So I'm very grateful to be a part of this panel. And we're grateful to have Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. Well, to Robin's right is Gabrielle Bernstein. She is the number one New York Times bestselling author of The Universe Has Your Back. She's written five additional bestsellers, featured on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday as a next generation thought leader, and the New York Times named her a new role model. She's regularly on the Dr. Oz show, and she co-hosted the Guinness World Record Largest Guided Meditation with Deepak Chopra. Pretty cool. How many people people were there? Um, I think it was 30,000. 30,000 people. I mean, I I think it was way more than that. (laughs) (laughs) They were all over the world, too. Check the Guinness Book of World Records. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, So to you... Getting your start and that single thing that really differentiated and and put you on the path to being here now. Often I believe that our bottom is the catalyst for our greatest successes in life. And for me, I was actually lived right down the street on 13th Street. uh, And on October 2nd of 2005, I hit my bottom. One, one of many. It wasn't the first one. It was the first one. Um, and, and, and at this point in my life, I was 25 years old. I had been running a PR business representing nightclubs. I was living a very fast-paced New York City lifestyle, and I really thought I was pretty cool. But internally, I was emotionally and spiritually bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And that internal condition being so disconnected and out of alignment with the woman that I believed I was supposed to be led me down a path of addictive patterns. So work addiction, love addiction, food addiction, and drug addiction. And so at the age of 25, I, was, I, I hit that bottom in, 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 uh, in many addictive patterns, particularly with the drugs and alcohol. And so on that day, I I looked at my life and I realized that there had to be a better way. And I know any woman, every single one of us in this room has had that moment in our life where we said, there has to, it has to be better than this. Like, this can't be it. And my words were, I need a miracle. And on that day, I, I, I heard my intuition. I heard a voice of intuition say to me, get clean and you will live a life beyond your wildest dreams. And I got sober that day. I've been sober for 12 years now. Thank you. In my sober recovery, I got very grounded and rooted in my spiritual faith and very quickly began speaking publicly about my spiritual practice and what I believed was uh, the most important element of the foundation of having a successful life, whatever corner of your life you may be looking at, uh, is having a strong spiritual foundation. And so it has been my mission to turn that mess into my message. And Hey, to- that's my line! <laughs> Quoting <laughs> Robert. Um, so, um, but, but, but truly, to, tur- to turn yeah. that upside down and, and, and bring forth uh, the light in that dark. And, and, uh, and, and it's been a, a privilege to be able to um, demystify spiritual principles and expand mm. the spiritual lexicon for new seekers and to make spirituality um, uh, not just something that we have as a corner of our life, but to have a spiritual life. Yeah. And, that, and that's what yeah. I, I, I am here to live and here to teach. And I know spirituality is something, Robin, you feel very strongly. It's a part of all of your stories, and we're mm. going to get to that as well. Joy Gordon has turned Dress for Success into an international model for success for helping women, helping people to achieve their dreams and to be able to really live up to the thing that we all have have inside of us. So Joy, tell us a little bit about what got you started on this path and the thing that really crystallized it. I love the idea that you were on this completely different path pursuing law and said, I have to do this. I, I absolutely was. But before I say that, can I just say something to Robin? Robin has supported our organization for oh, over 15 years. Yeah. I remember when we started our very first running team. I remember that. You were our honorary coach. I remember that. Um, and she has supported. But what you don't realize is that two years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And when I took my wig off at work, I did exactly what I knew you did. And I did it because you were bold and courageous 
and bright and confident, and I felt like I could be me because you were you. And so I just want you. So I've always wanted, I wish, wish, I could have always told you what you, the impact you had on my life, and to sit on a panel with you, I was not going to leave this room today without telling you. Thank you, So you touch every person's life who witnesses you every single day. Thank you. Thank you. In small and large ways. Thank you. Thank you, Joy. And so my journey addressed for success has been 20 plus years. I'm fortunate that the day that I was watching the news that morning, I was watching it with my heart. Mm. And I saw that woman talk about this organization and talk about women's need to feel and look dressed for success and how clothing matters. And I knew as a lawyer, someone who wore a suit every day to work, that I had a closet full of clothes. And so it was my intention that day to donate a suit. Just mm. one suit. Unfortunately, I got to the CEO of the organization at the time. She asked me what I did for a living. I told her I was a lawyer. She said, I need a lawyer on the board. So I joined the board. Um, and so um, I, you are always somewhere that you are supposed to be. Right? And it has changed my life forever. And I have witnessed this organization incubated in a church basement to now be in Uganda and Singapore and throughout Africa and Asia and all across the continent, Tasmania. It's incredible to see. We're now in Rome and Nepal. um, And that women around the world need an organization that one frankly believes in them. Mm -hmm. And they need women who believe in them. And so when a woman walks in a dress for success, we accept her as she is. It doesn't matter where she came from, what she went through. It's just about us supporting and lifting her up. And that's what I always wanted to be a part of. Somebody who was also raised by a single mom, who had a hardworking dad, but my mom was my North Star. I wanted to be in an organization that lifted women up, and I have been a part of something that's greater than me. And because of it, I'm a greater woman because of it. And so I get to be around you, who supports us in Columbus at Dress for Success, and other people in this room who've supported our organization for a very long time. But I am exactly where I was supposed to be. This is is where Joy is supposed to be in her life. Every time one of you opens your mouth, all I can think is, wow. Wow. Kimberly Blackwell is an executive philanthropist advocate, and she is the CEO of PMM, which is retained to build, protect, and position some of the world's most recognized brands. She's worked with all of them. She's worked with the White House. She's on the speaker circuit. Kimberly, tell us how you got your start and the biggest turning point. Okay, um, again, uh, so honored to be here amongst all of you. Uh, my name is Kimberly Blackwell. Um, I founded PMM Agency. We are a full-service marketing communications firm. We represent the interests, as was mentioned, of large corporations. Um, I started my business in a one-bedroom, 600-square-foot <laughs> apartment. Uh, little old me. I was very young. Um, and for me, I tell the story of um, it really an evolution of your side hustle becoming your main hustle. And so for me, I actually had a executive, an executive, um, Donna James, um, African-American president of a business unit, Nationwide Insurance. My parents had probably begged her to have lunch with me. um, And she did. Um, But in that lunch, uh, she, we were talking about different areas of marketing. She said, have you ever thought of going into business for yourself? And I say that because sometimes people see things in you before you see it in yourself. And so for me, fast forward, um, took a leap of faith uh, into my business, and it has grown. Uh, We work with great companies nationwide, Toyota, FedEx, a host of others. Um, I was telling Robin, um, I think my big thing around what has been my breakthrough and continuous breakthrough has been around community. Mm -hmm. And I have always had advocates and champions Uh, creating opportunities and sometimes fighting battles for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, In my space of marketing, um, it is rare um, to find, and it's getting better, uh, women of color in the seats of CMO, chief marketing officer positions and things of that sort. 
Um, so I've had a lot of people take a chance and put risk out in creating opportunity. Um, and my big thing is I'm never going to disappoint anybody who gives us an opportunity. So for me, um, it's really been around that kitchen cabinet um, <laughs> that I lean on quite heavily. Um, I play in a sphere and a sport um, that is heavy in deal making and deal flow. And we all know we're going to talk about that in the sense of sometimes being the only. Um, but I believe that to whom much is given, much is required. Um, and I serve in, outside of my business, traveling the country. I serve on the National Women's Business Council. I was appointed during the Obama administration. And I go out and advocate for women who are at home who want to start a business, uh, women who are running $100 million businesses, because I believe from startup to scale up is time. Yes. Absolutely. Here, here. Last but not least, we have Eula M. Smith. She is the founder of EMS Consulting, which is a multifaceted fashion consulting firm. They're headquartered in Los Angeles. And she works with this fashion consulting firm because she got her start in that world, working for Nordstrom. And I, what I love about your story, Eula, is the idea that you worked your way up inside of this world. You, you started in Nordstrom, you worked your way up, you worked your way through the ranks, and then you made this pivotal decision to break off and do it yourself and take all of those learnings and be the boss. So tell us about how you got that start and what that turning point was that brought you there. Um, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to sit on this panel with these women. I'm just in awe. I'm like a fan. <laughs> um, well, my story is a little more, um, I don't know, it's a little more challenging. I loved, I worked at Nordstrom's for 20 years, and I honestly thought I was going to retire there. I thought I'd be there for 50 years, retire, take the golden parachute, and go about my life. And I had a phenomenal job there, a great company, and it became my family. Um, I would go to work every day just happy to be around some of my best friends or still my friends. And as the company started growing, they wanted to centralize the company. And I was based in California, and I'd been there for 20 years. And they said, Yula, we want you to come to Seattle. And I'm like, oh, I don't think so. And I thought, I can just, you know, I think I'll just go do something different. Even though it was the hardest thing I had to do, it was like actually like leaving a marriage because I was so attracted to the company and to the people who worked there. They had become my family, but I just, I literally walked out on faith. And I didn't have a job, didn't know what I was going to do. I just said, well, something will pop up. And literally two days later, I got my first phone call from one of my designers who I'd worked with because at Northland, I was a buyer, a store manager, and a merchandise manager for designers. So I had made all these contacts in the outside world. And my phone was ringing off the hook. And I'm like, oh, Okay, so instead of going on vacation for six months, I will just go and consult for an hour and then go home and shop, go to the movies, have lunch with my friends. So I was not doing that with because I was working so much. And I started my own company. But it really was the grace of God because I was a praying woman. I was raised in the church, and I just knew that I had to pray my way through this. Because honestly, when you leave a company for 20 years with no next step, it's like, well, what do you do? You pray. And not only me, I have a prayer group that I've been with for over 20 years who prayed for me, my pastor, people in church. So I knew that I was covered and so that something would come along. And such is EMS Consulting. Yes. Congratulations. Here we are. So, so off of that idea of spirituality, and Gabby, maybe you can kick us off because of the I don't want to use a word that's incorrect here, but the awakening that you had in your own life. Talk us through some of the steps that others can employ in their lives to really get there, to, mm. to overcome, and to also make it something that, that holds. Mm. Because it's incredible that you were decided to be sober, and then you were sober. That's not always the case for so many people. Mm. And whether it's sobriety or any other addiction or anything else that we're doing in our lives that we want to overcome, it's so much easier said than done even after we make that choice. Well, any change that we want to make in our life has to begin with a desire to change. Mm -hmm. So you all know this, you know, that diet won't stick if you don't want to stick to it, right? So we have to really have that willingness to take an honest inventory of our behavior and look closely at the patterns and the feelings and the disturbances that may be showing up in our life and have a conscious commitment to say, I choose again, I choose again. 
And so that's really the first step. The first step is choosing to change your perspective, choosing to change your patterns, choosing to, 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 to pray instead of walk away, right? So, or, or pray when you do walk away, I guess. You know? <laughs> uh, the next thing also is I really believe that the secret to prayer, when we start to bring that prayer into our life to help propel us forward and create the successes that we want to create, the secret to prayer is to forget what we think we need. Because we, we have an agenda often, and we're like, okay, you know, I, I, I'm going to pray for this outcome and this outcome and this, but really then we're just strangling our desires. So my prayer, and I, and I said it this morning, you know, I've got some big stuff coming up for me today, and I've got a desired outcome, and I said this morning, I pray for what is of the highest good for all. And the second that I say that, I, 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 it moves me, and I can relax into knowing that it's, it doesn't have to be my plan. And when I say I pray for the highest good for all, then all is well. So my, my, my offering to you today is as, as you start to, to create change in your life, whether it be personally or professionally, that you don't give up on your desires and you hold those big visions, but you also really let God do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Because underneath all of it, there, there's a, the things that have happened in my personal life and in my career are far greater than what I thought they could be. So, and, that, and that has been a testament to just being in that place of surrender and, and, and praying for the highest good. It makes me think of the, the, the saying that there are three answers to prayer. First answer being yes. Mm-hmm. It's nice if you pray for something and God says yes. Well, oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A second answer is not yet. You're like, oh, all right, right. Mm-hmm. And the third answer, what you just alluded to, I have something even better in mind. Mm-hmm. And it's true because you pray for something you think, but if you put it out for the greater good, because you can pray. I, I, the things that I prayed for and I didn't get, and I was like, oh. And then I'm like, wow, something even better came along. That's exactly, you know, pray and get out of the way. Get out the way. <laughs> That's great. Pray and get out of the way. I like that. We've got a book title here. <laughs> exactly. Robin, you, you on Instagram, you use the hashtag sometimes serenity, serenity now. now. And tell us about what that means to you and why that's so important. Serenity now, right now. Um, I'm feeling it right now. Um, I'm I'm very blessed uh, to work with you, Rebecca. Can I just... A shout out to, the, to all the people from ABC. I saw Lindsay yes. before you come, before you walk out. Simone, come on, uh, Elena, Jade. Can you just raise your hand here? I, I see you back there. Look at everybody in, in support in support of that man right there. Um, and I am so blessed to have. Sometimes we talk about our, our, our work people. We say family, and people look at me like, oh, are they really? yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, we are a family. We are a family. And, and I love the saying that uh, you, you know you're blessed when your family are your friends and your friends are your family. And, that's, and, and so that's the spirit, Rebecca. And I know, I love this woman right here. And, that, and you should, the list of women that she has had on her program in this, uh, in this year has just been uh, so incredible. And I, I just thank my lucky stars that I am, am able to be in, in this sort of, uh, of environment and I choose, my mother taught me, I miss my mother and father every day, especially today. My, my dear sister, who was my bone marrow donor, the reason that I'm breathing, uh, and the reason that I'm in television, because she is a phenomenal, she's the Oprah of New Orleans. She has been on, that, on, on air there since 1977. Is she going to run for She announced, <laughs> <laughs> she may, because today she announced her retirement. Wow. After 40 years, she announced her retirement, and she did it with such grace and, and that, and we waited until she announced it, and then we did it on, on GMA, and I bawled like a baby hearing my sister talking. I did, yeah, I know you did, Joy. I was, you know, but there were tears of joy that it was so, she's, oh, and she's going, she's going to be a minister. She's going to be a Joel Osteen, Joyce Meyer mashup. Um, I feel that. So I'm very grateful, Rebecca, to get to your question that, the answer to your question, that I, I have this cursing through my veins, uh, literally, because Sally Ann's my bone marrow donor, so I do have, uh, I have her DNA, I have her, I have her sweet tooth, which I'm not crazy about, never had that before. Um, but uh, you can choose, and my mother taught me after our, her husband of almost 60 years, and my father, who was a real patriarch of our family, he passed away suddenly in his sleep. And we were just devastated. And my mother said, we can choose to have happy sorrow. We can choose that. And I do believe that, that the 
um, uh, you, could, you have to change the way you think in order to change the way, change the way you feel. And I, man, do I get angry? Do I, if I stub my toe, am I going to say about, yes. <laughs> but, but I just feel that I, I choose to be happy. Mm-hmm. I am very grateful that, because there are some people that clinically and have reasons and, and, and they're not able to, but if you're, uh, you know, if you're healthy in that and you can choose to be happy and I choose to be optimistic and I'm sorry if some people look at me and they tilt their head and they go like they, they you know, sometimes people get angry because you're happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like going, why are you mad at me? Because I'm, I'm a happy person. I'm optimistic. Yeah. That's your problem. I'm all right. Absolutely. And, and, and that's just the way I choose. Hashtag serenity now. Well, I, I feel so lucky that you choose to be at ABC every day because your influence is felt throughout the organization. Thank you. Thank you. And sincerely, we are so much better off and so much luckier, and we're blessed to have you with us. So thank, thank you, you Robin. You're very welcome. Um, Joy, something that this conversation, as I'm listening to it, the level of gratitude that every single one of you panelists invite into your life and feel every day is such an important part. In your mission, you obviously have to make sure that other people are on board with that as well. And that can be a challenge. We can believe in something so strongly, so fervently, that it is the right thing, that it is the best thing, that it is the thing that will help and change people's lives. Mm-hmm. How do you sell that mission to others? How do you mm-hmm. make sure that it expands in the way that it must expand to reach the greatest number of women? Sure. I mean, and not only do you have to sell it broader than the organization, but sometimes you have to sell the mission to the woman herself. Mm-hmm. Right? Good point. Preach. And so, you know, not every woman comes to dress for success mm-hmm. ready. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and not every woman comes to dress success feeling worthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so sometimes I tell our volunteers when a woman shows up at Dress for Success that we got to help her unpack her baggage. Mm-hmm. And we got to make sure she leaves it at our door. Right. And so, you know, for us at Dress for Success, It is an organization so much bigger and broader than social services. It is not a a white room where we take care and heal people. We just care. I'll love you till you love yourself. And that's what it's about. And so when I get an opportunity to travel around the world and visit and see the Dress for Success women, or sometimes when I get on the elevator, and I'm on the elevator with a woman and I see her and her shoulders are curled over, and she doesn't know where she's going and she doesn't expect much. And sometimes, because I'm on seven and our boutique is on six, I'll get in on seven and she'll get in on six and it's a completely different woman on that elevator. And she's standing taller. She's on her cell phone. She's talking about what's in the bag, what's outside the bag, what was in the boutique. And so sometimes you gotta sell it to her before you sell it to anyone else. But when we get an opportunity to talk about Dress for Success to anyone who will listen, and I'm hoping that you are, that, uh, that you find it in your heart, in your space, to join a cause like Dress for Success. Whether it's our organization or any organization, I tell you, you got to live a life of purpose. That's right. You must. That's right. And so, and I think it's Mark Twain, although somebody told me it's another person who came up with this quote. <laughs> However. It's Robin. It is. <laughs> But really, there are literally two important days of your life. The day you were born and the day you figure out why you were born. And so you have got to live this life and to figure out your purpose. Mm -hmm. And so when I get the opportunity to meet women and men around the world and talk about the work that we're doing and how we're shaping, changing, and sometimes saving women's lives, they are on board. And I'm asking you, all of you, to invest in another woman. Don't donate to a cause. Invest in another woman. It's our time. This is our time right now. And so women, all women, we need you. And we need women who are strong women, smart women, courageous women. And the women of Dress for Success especially need women like you. Because in many cases, they don't have another woman like you in their life. And if they had their situation could be different. So just continue to lift each other up. Absolutely. By the way, at at the end of this conversation, I'm going to go down the line and make sure that we talk to each of you about how people can get involved, how people can learn more about the work that you're doing, for example, with Dress for Success. 
Kimberly, um, when you were talking about building PMM in the beginning, you mentioned the idea of it first being the side hustle. And I think a lot of people in this room have something that they might consider their little side hustle. So how do you make it bigger than a side hustle? And what are some of the most key things that you did along the way? Um, So great question. Um, You know, I think a lot of it, um, I don't know how many of you in here are familiar with another dynamic woman and mentor in my life. Her name is Carla Harris. Carla Harris has a book, um, uh, Strategize to Win, right? And so for me, she also talks about currency. And it's the relationship currency Mm. and the performance currency. Mm. And so to get in the door for me and transitioning, it was all about making sure I was putting those wins up on the board. Now, I'm a sports enthusiast, so you all might hear some sports. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, um, you know, it was always about putting up the wins. Um, But what happened in that point of pivot between side hustle to main hustle is that I started to see that there was something there. And for me, too, as I'm in coaching and encouraging folks, it's really about understanding, do you have and bring a value to the marketplace? Is there a consumer or an audience that is looking for your product, good, or service? What is that key differentiator that puts you in a position of choice? Um, and so all of those things I was constantly working on. Um, And for me by myself, I also started to see in that scale process, I could no longer do it alone. Mm -hmm. And so it began to be the whole point of how do I bring other talent to my team? Um, And at first it was not about employing folks. It was really about working with folks as contractors and things of that sort. So you didn't have to take that big of a, as much of a financial risk initially. No, and what I tell, you know, I did not, um, I didn't do it in the sense of taking out loans. I will say as a member of the National Women's Business Council, and we'll talk about that towards a little bit later, but access to capital, that is a prime challenge for women who are looking to start their business. And so we need to get very creative in how we resource, you know, our businesses. Um, The other thing is, and you all see it now, the crowdfunding, you know, people are GoFundMe, you know, um, there are ways in which we do that. Access to opportunity, you know, that then goes back to what I said about, you know, were there enough people who were willing to take a chance mm-hmm. on this, at that time, one man band. Mm-hmm. But she was good. <laughs> so I think for me, it's really about the currencies of relationship and the currencies of performance. Mm-hmm. And then that confidence. You know, once I started to realize that I brought value, what value are you adding? Mm-hmm. I tell people, it's not about what I do when I'm in the meeting. I'm more flattered by when people come up to me when I'm not in the meeting and say, Kim, yeah. we wish you had been at right. the meeting today. Yeah. You know, So all of those things help to contribute to that leap. Um, but I'm on a continuous curve. I tell people, I don't rest on any laurels. But how you did know? you gain that confidence? Mm-hmm. How did you, how you did know you? what? Um, <laughs> I feel like I don't want to keep it moving, but I feel like you know a lot of it, was faith. And I'm going to go back to something too from this morning that Elena told me. I asked her. Mm-hmm. I said, what was it oh, that you God, did? Oh, God, that was amazing. Yeah. She said, I made God my agent. Yeah, that was good. Oh, uh, she said that. I told her I was using that today because at the end of the day, nobody knows my story. Yes. Right. And all of the things, you know, and I can say this because I feel like it's a safe share. I know we're being recorded. But there are... <laughs> Fewer than 5% of women who own businesses that are multi-million dollar businesses. And I say that not to gloat. I say that by the favor, the grace, Mm -hmm. and the mercy that has been with me along an 18-year journey. And I have learned a lot of things by trial and error. I have been baptized by fire. (laughs) But what I do know is that to your point or question, Robin, Mm -hmm. That's how it continues to be. That's the foundation. But she also said something today, too, that her mother and father were her, like, cheerleaders. They thought thought you walked on water. So that's... In the same way in which Vaughn recognizes me. I came from a mother, and she was an educator. She retired as the superintendent of the Cincinnati Public Schools. But since we were born and today, she will tell you that her three children 
are geniuses. <laughs> and when you instill that in a yeah, child, yeah. Yeah. that's true. That is a point and yeah. power that you cannot take that's away from them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As long as your siblings are like you, I think she's got a point. Eula, <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that I, I, I really appreciate about your story is sticking with an organization like Nordstrom, 20 years, multiple decade veteran. And I'm sure there are people in this room who have been in organizations for many years of their life. There are important relationships there. What did you have in place when you made that leap to do it on your own? And what was the calculus in your mind to say, I'm ready for this. This is the right step. Um, honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> but, you know, one thing I realized that when I worked at Nordstrom, um, again, it was like a family. I love my family so much. And from my family, I met outside vendors and designers. So when I left Nordstrom, it was like my phone was ringing off, off the hook. Like, oh, my God, you left Nordstrom? What are you going to do? Do you need help? People were calling me and saying, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Because... You know, along my journey as a buyer, you know, I built brands like James Purse and Michael Starrs and Diane Von Persman. We, I bought those stores into my company, you know, and so they were like, well, how can we help you now? And so they were reaching out to help me, and I was more than flattered. And from there, I just, you know, was able to feel like, I think I can do this, you know. And, you know, I have an amazing circle of girlfriends who are all, like, Kim, who are like fabulous, who, you know, just are there like, what do you need? How can I help you? And that, that means a lot when you know you've got an army behind you who won't let you fail. Right. They're like, no, we're not letting you fail. What do you need? Let me make a phone call for you. Mm-hmm. Let me do this for you. And, it, and it's really um, a blessing to know that you've impacted people to a point where they respect you enough that they want to help you. So I feel, you know, really honored. And I also, too, when I see dynamic women, wherever I go, I will walk up to you and say, hi, I'm Eula. What's your name? And I will just say, I want to be your friend because I like the way you look and I heard how you spoke. And, I, and, I, and that's how I attract a lot of my friends. I'm like, can I be your friend? And I think you kind of have to do that because we run so fast and we don't make time to really approach new people. And if you don't do that, you stay in your own little circle and you don't grow and you don't expand. So I am always in awe of dynamic women. So if you see me stalking you on Instagram or Facebook or you see me in an elevator, I'm just going to you know, introduce myself to you and you know, befriend you because I'm also here to help you too. I love helping young women and men, especially in the African-American community. There's not a lot of, um, of our people in fashion, and it's such a journey for them. So whenever these young students come to me from FIDM or FIT or wherever, I'm willing to give, you know, my free time to help them, you know, to introduce them to people, to give them contacts, because I want them to succeed. And I know for me, when I walk into a room of a fashion show or a conference, I look around the room, there's not a lot of people who look like me. So I'm always looking at someone who's got these big eyes and they're energetic and they want to be, you know, the next top designer or the buyer and I want to be there to help them. That's so. Tristan Arch. That's right. Yeah. That's Tristan Arch. Yeah. yeah. It, is. it is. Show of hands, how many of you have felt like the outsider in your career? Really? Okay, good. I'm, I'm not saying good that you felt like the outsider, but I'm... Wait a minute, the, why did they get to have their uh, dessert? <laughs> uh, I see you like, that's all you... You got kind of hard to focus you raise your right hand. Sorry, my bad. Go ahead. Save a dessert for Robin. Which one did you want? Which one did you order? That's chocolate souffle. That's chocolate souffle. and sweet tooth. Keep it in right now. Exactly. So, but but what I think the the reason that I asked that question is because all of you are playing at the top of your field. You are all doing incredible things. But I think it's so important to remind everybody in this room that everybody here feels like the outsider. And a lot of you have talked about the women that you surround yourself with, the clubs that you have created in your world to help you get to where you are. But there's also, as we know, boys clubs in many of these places. And breaking through that can be really difficult. Um, And I throw this out to the group. How have you found ways to navigate that uh, has anybody found a successful approach to breaking through when you feel like the outsider? Excellence. 
Excellence. Yeah. I mean, just, and I, uh, coming from uh, a sports world, that's where I know you, Kim, going back, Cheryl, Cheryl Swoops, that's where the first time we met in a panel discussion, and Swoops, Swoops, there it is. <laughs> um, but being a woman in sports, and I was passionate about sports in the beginning and had an interest in journalism, and it switched, it, it quickly uh, switched. But um, I was always the only only woman that was in there. And I knew that when I was hired by ESPN in 1990, the first black woman to be an anchor on SportsCenter, that, thank you, Dr. Kelly, that um, I, I knew that if it didn't go well, that the chances that they would hire another black woman to be an anchor would be minuscule, even though there were plenty of men that had failed, but that didn't prevent them from being from hiring other men. I didn't look at that as a negative. I was like, okay, I'm going to be good. That's it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take it on and I'm going to be as, as, as good as I can, as great as I can. And my, my parents, I remember the, the one and only time I said to my dear mother and father, I said, you know, I didn't get that job because I'm a black woman. I didn't get it because I'm a black woman. They're, 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 the man's keeping me down. I was like, you know. And they looked at me and they were like, well, honey, um, did you ever think it's because you're not good enough yet? And that's how they said good enough yet. Not that you're not good enough. Because I was young and I thought she said, and they're like, no, 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 don't be looking for excuses. So my father would say, don't give the enemy, because he was our uh, Air Force, don't give the enemy ammunition. So what helped me in being an outsider Mm -hmm. is not playing the role of victim, knowing that I had worth that I had value, and that, you know what, doggone it, I'm good, and you're going to want me on your team. And there's something, there's a difference between, I love the you know, diversity, inclusion, all that. I don't want to just be on the team. I want to be in the game. I want to be in the game. And so I've always approached everything like that. And, and again, going back to, I'm just so very fortunate to have all of us here, all of us sitting up here. We had people that, that, that helped us and believed in us well before we believed in ourselves. Um, but I, I just really am so grateful that I, I, I turned it into a positive instead of looking at it as a negative. I, I, just as a follow-up to that, being excellent 100% of the time can also be exhausting. Tell me and, about it. Yeah. <laughs> But it's true. When you, I, I, I talk to a lot of women about this because a lot of the time the expectations are higher. How do you manage that, uh, Robin, for yourself? Every single morning, you're on Good Morning America. America isn't paying attention to what happened to Robin in the, you know, basically 23 hours, 22 hours that they didn't see you on Good Morning America. They get you for those two hours and they want perfection. Um, I'm authentic and there are days that, you know, like, you know, you have good days and bad days. I have good days and bad days. And because I don't fake the funk and when, um, and people, people, uh, appreciate that and I'm not perfect. And even though I strive for excellence, I don't always achieve that, but I, I strive for that. Um, and again, I have to go back to my colleagues. I keep looking at Simone and Lindsay and Jade and, and, and everybody that's, you know, I'm, I'm just so grateful that we have these dynamic women um, that we inspire one another to be the absolute best that we can and that they're there when I fall. And we were talking about, what was the series that we were talking about uh, that we're going to do in, in February? Yeah, Black Girl Magic. So we were talking about this series, and I love that we have this dynamic group. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. You know who I'm talking about. This woman right here. I'm telling you, newly married. Sade, I mean, she has it going on. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm glad that we have this, this dynamic group of women around us that, I, that, that don't expect me to be excellent every day, but that, uh, that we strive for that. And, and, I, and it goes back to... T- just try your best, and that's all that I try and do. Every, yeah. But it does get a little bit exhausting. I do uh, meditate. Yep. I get up at 3.15 in the morning. At 3.30, I meditate from 3.30 to 4 a.m. 3.30 to 4. And I remember when I was told, because I used to get up at 4 o'clock, and, um, and I remember when our dear mutual te- friend that we know, Bob Roth, 
uh, from the David Lynch Foundation. He said, you're going to get up earlier and you're going to feel stronger. And I'm like, dude, there's no yeah. way I'm getting up any earlier than 4 a.m. Yeah. And it's true. It's kind of like this, this, this thing that comes over you that you're, it, it calms you and energizes you all mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's been a tool that I, I have used. Gabby, how do you recommend people get into, for example, meditation or some of these measures that can help, but when you are an outsider looking in, are a little bit scary to even think about? It's hard to figure out the time even to come up with. Well, I always get this question. You know, Gabby, I don't have time to meditate. Uh, My response is typically, do you have time to feel like crap, really? (laughs) So uh, I think Robin kind of nailed it. It's that uh, when we have a meditation practice, particularly the practice uh, that we both have, which is transcendental meditation, which is two 20-minute practices twice a day in the morning and in the afternoon, you can create such a sustainable energy and and, and, and truly accomplish much, much more in your life feel better, lower your stress levels, have a healthier body, have healthier relationships. So when, um, if, you're, if you're considering meditation as a, a next step for yourself and your personal growth, I would recommend just starting to look, you know, ask people, ask people like Robin, ask friends of yours, what are the benefits? Because when you start to hear about the benefits of having a meditation practice, you're kind of asking yourself, well, why am I not doing this? What, what, what am I missing? Uh, you can keep it simple. It does, you don't have to be, uh, don't, don't be overwhelmed by the idea of 20 minutes twice a day. That doesn't have to be the beginning of your practice. Even five minutes spent in contemplation, silence, and stillness in the morning, allowing yourself to get grounded, allowing yourself to get aligned, whether you're using a mantra, whether you're connecting to your breath, whether you're listening to a guided meditation or using an app, whatever it may be, that is enough to redirect the path of your day. Mm. Because ultimately, our, our, our day and our success rate throughout a day has, it has a direct correlation with how we start that day. Mm-hmm. So if we start and we're going right to that phone and thinking, da, 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 you know, all the things I have to do, you are off to the races and you are down this road of momentum that takes you down a road that you don't want to go down. Mm. And by noon, you're just yelling at people. <laughs> so if you, uh, and, then, and then you know what? If you start your meditation practice, all I have to say to you is think to yourself, Robin's up at 315 a.m. <laughs> I can do it. So, so truly, truly, and, and, and seeing what it does to people and, and how it gives you that sustainable energy. Uh, um, there's so many beautiful meditation resources. When I started this in this field 12 years ago, uh, there was there it was such a it wasn't that people weren't meditating, but it was it was something that people sort of saw as like an outsider thing. And you asked earlier, you know, how did you deal with being an outsider? Well, I I realized that if I was in my apartment meditating and finding all these spiritual principles that were lighting me up, there had to be people out there that were doing it too. And so I think my, my career was really built on wanting to find those people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good way of putting so, it. Yeah. So, so um, I strongly recommend finding a meditation practice, particularly for those of you who are in this room and are shining so bright, it will make you shine brighter. I think to your point though, just the idea that you believed very strongly in something and something was working for you and to, to not necessarily have anybody else in your direct sphere where it's working for them, but to know that if this is good for me, there have to be other people. And I hear this all the time from business leaders where they have a, an incredible idea. Maybe their direct circle of people aren't into it, but they know if I believe in this, there have to be other people. Uh, we're running short on time, but I do want to get to this idea about access to capital because obviously mm. money makes the world go round and getting to that money is a really big it can be an impediment to getting something off the ground. Obviously, Joy, for, for Dress for Success, you need funds to keep the thing going. Kimberly, you need money. I'd like both of you to address that idea of how you get there, and especially in a world where the loans aren't necessarily there for female-run businesses. So a couple things. So um, I think now um, as we look towards this hashtag future is female, um, which is something I believe in. Um, I equally am commu- um, committed to community. So recently, um, I committed myself to a fund that is earmarked uh, with a group of minority uh, investors. It's a $300 million fund. And we're going out and finding folks. I want that same type of effort for women. Um, there are not a lot of, there are more uh, venture capital groups Um, But VC may not be the route for you. Mm -hmm. Um, There are neighborhood banks that we don't go to. We want to go to our B B of A's and so forth. And there's nothing against 
Bank of America, you know, but look to those community banks that are looking to make the local investment into the economy and building businesses. Find those organizations that have accelerators, um, incubator programs that have strategic partners that are looking to source women owned businesses. Um, it's a lot of research and the in discovery in the sense of the information there are resources out there there are government programs yeah. mm-hmm. um, and they may be a little bit more tedious in the sense of red tape but if you know that that is your big idea then you have to commit you know i meet a lot of women who have the idea um, have the confidence but maybe aren't fully committed And so for me, it's about really kind of also looking to other networks, um, find people who run successful businesses as women, as women owned and women led businesses, you know. And then one other thing I want to say is there are some men in the room and and, and those are my he for she's. There are men in the room and outside of the room that are looking to fund the next big idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't limit yourself mm-hmm. in the options and opportunities in that access. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I was sitting with the gentleman, David Yerman, at the table. He said he sent an email to Dress for Success because about seven years ago or something that you were saying about and how, well, you speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And to be, I know we have to wrap up, but for anyone in the room, I know a lot of people, you're, you know, outside of your, your, your nine to five, what you really want to do is to find something that's about purpose and passion. And many of you have thoughts about starting nonprofits and you have this big idea. Just know you can always just email me, call me. I would love to spend 30 minutes with you, helping you develop out that idea and make it into something just like this young woman with $5,000 who believes she could save the world. We've done it. And so if she can do it with $5,000 and an idea, anyone can do it. And so just know you can always reach out to me at just joy, and that's J-O-I. Maybe that's why I didn't go anywhere. A lot of people, <laughs> lot of people want to say it's J-O-Y, but it's J-O-I at dressforsuccess.org. Just reach out to me. I'm always here to help. Many thanks to all of the panelists for their powerful insights, that incredible room of people, the creators of overarching success, DeAndre Tristan and Eric Archibald, who are also the founders of Tristan Arch, Von Wright, who did a great job at the event, and my producer, Taylor Dunn, and research assistant, Annie Osakwe, who worked tirelessly to help make this happen. You'd be surprised how much goes into pulling off a big event like this. So let us know what you thought. Should we be doing more live interviews in front of an audience? Would you ever want to join us in the room if we did? You can share your thoughts with me anytime on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and LinkedIn. I'm at Rebecca Jarvis across the board. And if you are a first-time listener, welcome. Hopefully, you're going to check out some additional episodes. Don't forget to subscribe. And especially if you're liking what you're hearing, leave us a review. It really does help others learn about the work we're doing here at No Limits, featuring outstanding women playing at the top of their game. Finally, if you or someone you know should be featured here as an Entrepreneur of the Week, send me an email at nolimitswithrj at gmail.com. I love reading your stories and hearing about your work. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts.